What's up, everybody? I'm Scott Lease here with my good friend Richard Harris, and welcome to another edition of the Surf and Sales Podcast. We are joined today by Ms. Amy Quick out of Plano, Texas, and I used to know what her job title and role was, but she has recently made a switch, and so I will let her announce it to the world. But welcome to the show, Amy. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Scott Richard. Um, so Monday, I guess, world. yeah, I know when this, when this, uh, video goes live, um, I will be a territory account manager at Fortinet here in Plano. So I'll be joining the dark world of cybersecurity, um, speaking to all the hackers out there. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm really excited for that. It's, it's kind of the, the next step up in my career, managing my own territory and I'll be managing the Southeast. So if any of you have any, uh, CISO connections in the Southeast, start, start sending my, my way. I'll try to sell them something if I can. So are you, are you in a individual contributor role or are you managing a, a small team or a big team? What, what is that? What does that look like? The, I don't understand titles these days. So territory manager means five things at five different places. Yeah. Well, I mean, there could be um, a few, like a handful of territory managers for any region. Um, so I'm an independent sales rep, so I'll hold my own quota and I'll be responsible for that and responsible for a lineup of accounts, um, and, uh, getting renewals, new logos will be like the, the primary motivator. Um, and, uh, for me, this is really interesting because, uh, they're SMB. So I, I've been selling in the enterprise space now for, well, for the last year, but then before that I was doing mostly enterprise. So now, um, I'm going to get to dig in dig in the weeds with the SMB folks and start set, selling to some small and medium sized businesses. And so I'm really excited about that. That's kind of a new ball game for me and I'm ready to play. So you ready, you're ready for the, uh, the higher velocity and the faster pace and the more direct yes. get to a decision. Yeah. 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 These, uh, 18 month sales cycles are just, um, that's, it's a whole nother monster there. You have to be really patient and I'm not, and so I can admit that <laughs> it's the enterprise sales is just a, an exercise in being patient. So what, is, let's talk about that. Cause I think there's a lot of us in sales who aren't patient, right? I think it's innate um, quality. And I think it's one of the reasons a lot of salespeople are good. Um, how do you just for you, how do you even manage that recognizing that within yourself? How do you get yourself to calm down? How do you get yourself to slow down? How do you, you know, do you ever have to kick yourself in the pants to kind of get going again? Like, what's that like for you? Yeah, well, the last year has been a, a really interesting learning lesson for me because I've had to balance like a BDR role with an account executive role. So the initial stages of my job with IntelliMagic doing enterprise was mostly on the BDR side. So I was doing all of our outbound prospecting. Um, my primary goal was, you know, net new logo. Um, and then about four months or so into the role, they kind of started throwing more of the stalled opportunities at me. So these were much warmer um, opportunities that we'd probably got into like budget and price proposal and, you know, maybe even started looking at doing like a proof of concept or something with these accounts um, before they, they were stalled. So those were really interesting for me because then I got to kind of jump in the middle of the deal and try to figure out, okay, who, who do we talk to? what was said. I mean, I really had to read like the entire account history. Like it was a novel. Um, and then I had to figure out how to prospect to them to get them moving again. So, um, it was, it was kind of an interesting take on 
sales where I was doing straight cold outbound and then also fairly warm, complicated deal cycle outbound. Um, and I got, you know, I got some big dogs moving and especially going into 2020. Um, but it, it was, it was a testament to, okay, how aggressive can you be on one hand with the BDR stuff, but then how patient can you be with the account executive stuff and nudging them, but not, you know, slapping them in the face and throwing cold water on them. So I, I didn't struggle with it, but I, I really had to relearn um, how to kind of back off the pace a little bit and switch between being an aggressive, you know, SDR out doing straight outbound and, and really um, nurturing those deals and kind of learning like who the players are and, and scaling it back so that I can focus a little bit more intently on those deals. So, um, so what, uh, yeah, it was interesting. What, what made you, could, it sounds like you're, you're having success in 2020 and I, and granted as of today, which is like May 28th or 29th, you know, we, who knows what that means. Right, because it's it's COVID. Um, are are what made you want to sort of change jobs in the middle of this, or was this sort of a COVID issue where, you know what, they they couldn't do it, and so I had to move forward. Yeah, well, there was two things. One uh, one was just the deal cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of these monster accounts. Uh, I watched my coworker, who's an account executive. I mean, he's going on a, a year before a proof of concept even starts, a, a free one at that. And to me, I was like, gosh, it just moves so slow when those accounts are so big. I mean, the legal and procurement side of things can take six months. Um, So I was looking at the clock and looking at the calendar and trying to figure out, okay, when I get my first (laughs) major deal closed, it could be, I could be there for a year and a half because I had to, I'm only working the deals that I actually finally got moving um, in the latter half of 2019. So um, the pace is just, was just a little slow for me. And uh, I wanted to be able to kind of close deals in a in a 30, 60, 90 day window and stick within those quarters because for me that that's a little bit more exciting and dynamic and um, that's and I really thrive on the challenge. That's amazing self awareness, right? To kind of say because because there is to some extent maybe a luxury to a 12 to 18 month sales cycle. You have a long time to ramp, right? You're you don't not to say that you wouldn't want to prove yourself, but you can coast a little bit longer. So right. it, it's really interesting to, to see that you're so self-aware in that as you, as you look at that and, and trying to you know change, have you noticed you making decisions like that elsewhere in your life other than this job? Like, you know, whether it's in work, out of work, just curious how, you, yeah. how your decision-making process comes, came to fruition. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I had a, I took a seven year gap in my career um, from when I was with CMA on a strategic sales team, took a seven year hiatus to start a family and to be a Navy wife and follow my husband up and down the East coast. Um, And that was, um, I think that window of time gave me a really greater perspective on life in general. um, Because one, I realized that I, I am not idle. I, I really, as much as I loved being home with my kids, I was always bored trying to find some project to throw myself into. Um, it would be little side projects. Like in New York, I wanted to do like, you know, uh, basically turning junk and repurposing it and selling it. And, um, and I don't know, I got on all these like, 
crazy little side ventures because I couldn't, I couldn't stop my brain from thinking and wanting to have like some sort of intellectual stimulation. And you can only read so many books. So, um, I, uh, I found that for me, I kind of, the way I look at life is kind of a series of adventures and challenges. And I do get bored with things really easily. And when that happens, I have to challenge myself to go a little bit further. So like right now in my personal life, um, my daughter and I, uh, we have three horses and we keep them out at this place called DG Ranch here in Texas. And um, it's this gorgeous sport performance, you know, reigning ranch. And uh, I've been a professional equestrian. I mean, I went professional at 18. I've been riding since I was two. And I suddenly got the itch about six months ago. I was like, you know, I'm going to start competing again. I'm going to get back into it. I'm going to, you know, set myself that bar. But the crazy thing about it is because I'm a professional equestrian and I've taken money teaching riding lessons, um, I cannot go back to showing amateur or anything like that. I have to show immediately in the open ring, which is like up against all the professionals. And so I'm like, oh, well, this is going to be fun. Uh, but I, I'm up for the challenge because for me, it's like, well, if you're going to, you're going to have a target on your back, you know, I mean, like when you're that big, you know, there's going to be little guys coming to get you. And I'm like, oh, I want to be the little guy. <laughs> so I, yeah, I think I do the same thing in my personal life too. And, and just, I don't know. I like challenge. I mean, I think there's a lot, I think it's fairly easy for, for us to identify them and then I'll shut up and let Scott ask some questions. But as you think about learning to ride a horse or show a horse or compete in a horse, obviously there's some similarities to sales in that. What would be a similarity though that wouldn't be obvious, right? Like we know the practice has got to be there, right? We know there's a pitch, you know, like, you know, what, what are something that maybe we wouldn't know that you're like, oh, this is something interesting. Um, I would definitely point to the emotional side of sales. So um, being able to manage anxiety, emotions, high stress environments. So when you look at a horse, okay, they are naturally hardwired to run from danger. Um, anything they fear, they're going to fight or fly. And that includes people. Um, so if you are on a horse and you're a nervous person, that horse is going to pick up on it right away. Whether anyone around you can see that you're nervous, that horse will know. And they act funny. They act out. They don't like it. They don't like being around people with anxiety and, and high levels of stress and tension because that horse, its natural flight response is saying, what the hell is this person scared of and how fast can I get away from it? Um, God, I'm canceling your birthday situation. present. Sorry, buddy. I, I, might right. be, I might be part horse as I listen to you. Right. Well... I don't know. It's really interesting to see, though, the hardest part about teaching people how to ride a horse is teaching them to overcome their fears. Like, it's like you got to relax. You got to calm down. You're on a living, breathing animal that wants to run at any minute. Even the, the most well-trained horses, if they see if there's danger, if there's a mountain lion there. Forget about it. Like they're they're going to watch their ass. What are those um, internal fears? OK, I promise this is the last question. What are those internal fears that you have to help someone get over? to learn to ride a horse? Because I think there's a ton of internal fears we have to get over in sales. Well, giving up control. I mean, you're, you're on an animal's back. At that point, you're trusting them to a certain extent. 
Um, and so someone that is a lot of issues with control, uh, are, they're going to struggle with that a little bit. Um, and so that's one thing. Number two is like learning how to, I mean, it, it's natural to get nervous about, you know, getting on a large animal or anything like that, but you have to, you have to be able to trick your brain into telling your body that you're cool and you're relaxed and everything's okay. So you got to bring your heart rate down. You got to bring your breathing down. So the, those natural nerves that we have that are like our, you know, fight or flight response, uh, we have to learn to suppress that in order to not trigger this animal. Um, so those are two things that I think correlate really well in the sales world because like, you know, you have things like call reluctance. Well, what happens before someone like freaks out about making a phone call? Their breathing escalates, their heart rate goes up, their stress levels are on high alert, they're, they're uncertain, there's a, there's a level of fear there, they don't know what's going to happen on the other end of the call. And so you, being able to kind of work with people like that and just say, hey, you know what, it's okay, like you can kind of force yourself to calm down and just, you know what, throw your leg over the saddle and get on and go. Like that's the easiest advice you can give someone when they're riding a horse, just, just get on and go, just relax. And uh, I think sales is, is very similar. I think we overcomplicate sales. Like we just, we overthink it all the time. So in the spirit of just get on and, and go, I, I have noticed, as have a lot of people, you have uh, put a lot more time and energy and effort into content creation and, and building your brand on, on LinkedIn. And, you know, you, when I think of you and your brand on LinkedIn, you along with like two other people are like the emoji queens that I can right. think of. <clears throat> that was something that I, that I noticed you got on, um, you know, on with pretty early, but when did you really start focusing on this um, part of, part of yourself and, and your business? For me, it feels very much like a 2020 initiative for you, but I, I could be totally wrong. And that just might be where I I've really seen it. So um, talk a little bit about that journey so far for you. Yeah, well, I, um, I started really in the later part of 2019. Um, and that was because I was, I mean, I really was trying to get on the radar of all these decision makers. And I was like, I have one girl sitting in an office in Texas and I have to compete against IBM who's in the ear of every customer on site uh, in every major city. Um, so how do I compete with that? And I, I just looked at, okay, well, if I can grow my personal brand, if I can become a more interesting person in, in some ways, um, there's a chance that by default, I'm going to end up getting more exposure. And then maybe one of these decision makers that I'm actually connected with on a meeting has, has seen my content or heard of me, or they've, you know, finally connected with me and engaged in some way. Um, and and I think it was, for me, it was like, okay, well, let's see what we can do with this. And I just started studying and watching what was really attracting people to LinkedIn to begin with. And I started to notice kind of a shift in content where um, LinkedIn for me has always been very buttoned up, super, super business. I mean, if you think about it, you know, B2B business is booming on LinkedIn and there's a lot of money exchanged, you know, exchanging hands based on networking and relationships that have been formed sometimes just strictly via LinkedIn. Um, so I saw that and thought, okay, well, I, I need to capitalize on that, but I can't lose my individuality because that's ultimately what's going to set me apart. And if I'm just kind of buttoned up, super serious and, you know, oh, I know what I'm talking about all the time. Um, 
then I, that's going to be disingenuous in, in my opinion. So I decided just to say to hell with it and just be myself. And I am like super sarcastic and snarky. And like, I do not take myself very seriously and until it's crunch time, you know, when, when I need to, when I need to be serious, Amy, I can dial it in. Um, but for the most part, I'm pretty laid back. I mean, I have three goofy kids and a crazy life. And I felt like, oh, you know, this isn't Instagram. This isn't Facebook. But why not show a little bit more personality, a little bit more humility and humor and fun um, in what we're doing in our day-to-day lives and business, too? Because I guarantee you, this guy that's sitting at his desk, okay, in some corporate world is probably exchanging memes with his team and cracking jokes. And they probably have inside jokes. And they're not stuffy, like, you know, boring people all day long. Otherwise gosh, can you imagine like who would, I don't know that no one lives life like that. They all have fun. And I think we failed to, I, I wasn't seeing enough of that on LinkedIn. Um, I was kind of seeing just, it, it was so serious all the time. And I felt like there's a time to be serious, but for me, I wanted to, I kind of wanted to show yeah. a little bit more raw honesty. I don't so know. So you kind of got into it at, at first to, to open up be kind of change the change the narrative a little bit, but also to help you sell um, for your company, right? Right, yeah. Now you've taken the step to kind of come up with your own thing uh, and you've got five on Friday going and, and, and this is, you know, has the potential to become something, right? And something that you do that is yours and not content that you're creating or monetizing for, for somebody else. So mm-hmm. maybe tell everybody, first of all, what five on Friday is and like, why did you start it? And, you know, what is your vision for it? Yeah. So five on Friday is, is true peer to peer sales and marketing mentoring. So every Friday we bring on a presenter. It could be an SDR an account executive or hell we've had people that are in the prime of their career. They've been selling for 20 years. Um, but they come on and they do a, a demo run through, um, a cold call script. Uh, they'll do discovery call kind of, um, a, a discovery call flow or, They'll just run us through a, a, a part of their sales process that they either want additional advice on or they're getting stuck. Um, and we've even had brand new sales reps on that have never sold before, have started their own startups and just kind of want some guidance on what their value props should be, how they should sell, what who they should be targeting. And uh, it all started because I felt like there was a lack of um, succinct and free sales education for people like they can go they can go on to linkedin and they can buy ebooks they can buy books and all of those things are essential right um i read sales books several a year because i need to learn and grow um but i felt like the the one thing that we were getting stumped on was that okay these people are actually selling during the day i mean they they shouldn't be on linkedin they should be selling um, and if and less LinkedIn is included in their outreaching and prospecting efforts, but the point is they are, they should be using those prime, um, selling hours to sell. And that doesn't leave them as much time for their own self-education and growth. And like, what do they do when they get stuck or hung up? They're going to be trying to find content, watch it, read books, you know, go to sales conferences, jump on webinars all right, well, you rack up the hours, you know, that could be like 15, 20 hours worth of self-education in a week. 
what happens if they just need like something short and snappy and they want to be able to walk away with advice that they can put to work like the next day. Um, and so Francois Bardot and Patrick Downs and I were just kind of goofing around and thought, well, you know what? I mean, we're sales reps. We're in the trenches doing it every day. Like, why the hell can't we just give them an hour of our time and give them some advice if, if they want it? And that's really where it came from. And uh, it's, it's blown up. I mean, we're booked out like six months with participants. Um, presenters were booked out like going on three months. Um, and then uh, this will be this video, I guess, will be dropping next week. Um, so I, I could say it now, but we're rolling out and uh, kicking off a five on Friday UK edition. Um, so we'll be nice. dropping that <laughs> next week. Um, and the Australia wants to get involved. Uh, we've got people in South America that are really looking forward to getting involved in it because they want to be able to sell more effectively in the U S. So it's just, I mean, we, it, it's really crazy because there's plenty of sales coaches and, and consultants and tools, um, out there. Uh, but there's nothing that is just like, yeah, but those guys hour. are idiots. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. sales coaches you know, no and advisors and stuff. Those, those guys don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Yeah. I, uh, I had a conversation with Josh Braun like months and months ago and he was like, Amy, tell me honestly, like, how do you feel about the sales culture and like the sales coaching culture in general? And I was like, I don't know. You know, sometimes it's just, there's, there's so much of it. It's almost like, where do you turn? And, uh, and there's a lot of, um, uh, there's a lot of fluff and there's a lot of theoretical. Let's talk, let's talk about that for, for a second then. Cause he, here's what, here's what I like and dislike about that sentence in question. Yeah. Right? I, I like the fact that um, Josh is trying to get at like, you know, what do you think about the sales like culture and, and training and, and all that. Um, and everybody always talks about like how noisy it is and all this kind of stuff. What I don't like is when people make these blanket statements like, oh, there's a lot of fluff or there's a lot of bad advice or there's this or that and the other. It's like that, that doesn't help somebody distinguish between the two right I mean, nobody calls out anybody else like no one's like oh hey scott your post you know sucks it's like all fluff or hey richard like this is a totally terrible post you should never put that out there right so i feel like people just whisper all these things like oh there's crap out there yeah. never call anybody out and so in particular for people who are like new in their career or maybe like really kind of leaning into LinkedIn for the first time. How would you guide them to figure out which people they should follow and listen to and which ones they should not? Yeah, so that's a great question because I um, I feel like uh, I'm not a very combative person, but um, I see bad advice and I, I sometimes it's hard for me not to say something. Um, and I put posts, I put comments on other people's posts before that were like, I disagree with you completely. Um, and here's why. And, and I, and I respect their opinion and I respect the, the fact that they have a platform in the first amendment. They can say whatever the hell they want. Um, so I think the, what you have to look at is the quality of content that people are putting out. Um, for instance, like, okay, one of the things that I think is cool about like a Josh Braun or a Dale Dupree is you know, they'll tell a story, um, but you're learning a lesson in it. And, and you, they're either giving away little tidbits of value right up front. 
I mean, Josh has released like entire, he, he did a webinar where he broke down an entire email and like showed you completely how to rewrite the email in a webinar. And if, if you've got a, a sales rep that has a time crunch, right? Because they don't have time to attend a ton of webinars and, and whatnot. Getting that much value out of the webinar is, is huge. And you're going to respect the fact that that person didn't just waste an hour of your time with a bunch of garbage about, you know, their program and how awesome they are and, you know, sales theory. And they gave you tangible stuff that you can walk away with and, and apply immediately. And for me, that instantly builds credibility for me and someone, because I think the, the saying, like, if you can't sell, you teach, you know, it's, I don't, I, I don't, I don't agree with that. I think that, um, like someone like yourself has been selling for years and years and years, and you built and developed the street cred that you can stand up and say, no, no, no I'm going to coach. I'm going to show you what to do. And I'm going to talk to you about it. Um, but there's some people out there that, that lack that depth of actual sales experience. And it shows because you can see that they repeat a lot of content or they're just saying the same thing over and over again in a different way. And you always are left feeling like, what did I really learn from reading this post? Or what did I learn from this webinar that I just spent, you know, invested 30 minutes of my time on? And maybe I'm more hypercritical than most, but I think there's a lot of people out there that, um, you know, that feel that way. So I would say when you're looking at someone, you got to look at content. If you leave reading a post and you're like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I, I should try that. That's, that's pretty good. I mean, I've seen like, um, Sean Cease. I think that's how you say his name. I could be completely butchering it, but, uh, he does some really cool whiteboards and stuff. And I'm always like, Holy cow, you know, like I never really thought about it that way. And, um, so I think that's what I gauge it by is, is just look at the content, look at the, the character of the person. And, you know, if you feel like you leave and you, you're taking some tangible benefit from the content or the post or the webinar or whatever it is, then, um, then, then keep going back and seeing what value they're going to bring later on down the road. So I don't know, that would be my advice because I mean, it's, it's hard to fool people um, when, with with content i think because unless you're stealing it for someone else i mean that's possible i'm sure that happens yeah i mean it's interesting because there's not you know a lot hasn't changed since you know i don't know biblical days in the world of sales right it really hasn't everybody right. repurpose and repackage right yep, um, yep. And, and and but i think it's the unique perspective that everybody brings that adds that value at least that's the intent right? Like whether it's Scott's sort of addiction model or my neat selling model or, or whatever else you, you like to you know, do. It's, it's the unique perspective that creates the, that creates, I hope the connection for, for other people. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see what's happening out there. And I think there's a lot of it right now. Um, just, you know, look with everything that's happening in the layoffs and, and what's going to happen in June and July, I, I think that you just, you're going to see more and more noise. Um, you know, yeah. I, I think the, the consistency of the people who've been doing it needs to stick. If they start to walk away, they're going to get forgotten. This will be that, that'll be that challenge for, for people like me. Um, at least in, at least in my paranoid mind, right? Don't be a dinosaur. In other words, I already feel that way. Don't be, already a dinosaur. Uh, There's no issue. There. So, um, 
the, the difference between you know my dinosaur and Scott's dinosaur is that I'm officially at the diamond range, um, and Scott is still in that sort of oil crude oil range of how old he is. So um, yeah, <laughs> I'm not far behind you guys. So, but uh, but you are. Behind I won't us. give my my age. Yeah. What was that? Is it? But you are behind us. If you are behind. Oh, us. maybe a little bit. So yeah, I, uh, I I tend to agree with you. I think LinkedIn has gotten pretty noisy, and um, I think most of the people I follow are maybe a little off the beaten path. Uh, but there's a reason why, um, and you know, some of them it's purely entertainment for me. I'm like, I just like this person. They make me smile, yeah, and yeah, and there's a big part of that. But that's good too, because I you know I agree with you. I, I am definitely stuck in the cycle of me and Scott and. Morgan and Barrows and uh, Dale and although Dale's newer to me in the last year or so, but his stuff is so fresh, right? It's so mm -hmm. good. Um, Daniel Disney, you know, um, who are the, who are the offbeat people you are paying attention to? Um, they're they're the kind of the uh, he's gonna hate me for saying this, but the weirdos of the world, like like Justin Michael is one that I that I follow pretty closely. I've had hey, some of the quirkiest freaking conversations. What, what was that? I said, yeah, he's been on our show and I've, I've known him for a decade or more probably. Yeah. 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 That dude is, uh, he's, and, and I will say it straight to his face. Like he is weirdly wonderful. Um, he, he, sometimes he just goes off on a tangent and I'm like, who is this? Um, what is, what am I witnessing right now is how I feel a lot of times. But when you actually like, um, talk to people like that, that are like, so just when they get invested on something, they just put everything in it. And the, you can, I mean, that's how diamonds are created under that kind of pressure, right? You've got guys like that, that are just like, okay, I'm going to focus on this one aspect and I'm going to be the best of the best at what I do in this particular component. Um, and then you know, I think that's sensible and there probably should be more people doing that, but, um, you know, kind of hyper-focusing on one thing in particular. Um, so like guys like Justin Michael are great. Um, I like, um, you know, someone like David Massover, he's not really off the beaten path, but, um, what I like about David Massover and his content is he's just like, he's just so steady, you know, like, I'm like, man, if he was running my sales team, I'd be confident because he's just got a steady process and attitude. And I've gotten on phone calls with that guy. And he's like, I mean, immediately challenges me. Like he, he quoted my own comment on one of his posts back to me once on a call. Um, and I was talking about like, not making emotionally rash decisions. And he, <laughs> and I was making an emotionally rash or kind of impulsive decision at the time. <laughs> And he just quotes it back to me and I'm like, dang, I did say that, didn't I? Um, so this, I, I love Dale Dupree. I think his, his, uh, everything that he's doing is really quirky. Um, and then I look at a lot of the branding guys too, like, uh, Justin Reynolds. Um, he's actually here in Dallas. He's freaking hilarious. You know, some of the video content that he's putting out and, um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of, uh, may, I'll call it Patrick Downs on this one. Um, my, my co-founder he's uh he's something else <laughs> i don't know what he is but he's awesome you know, he came to surf and sales and absolutely feel like he was such an added 
benefit in ways that I can't even imagine. Like just getting to know him there and having some real deep conversations um, was fascinating for me with him. And then watching what he does, it, it just amazes me. Like he's really embraced a lot of things. So I, I, I love Patrick. Yeah, he's uh, he's like, I don't know, he's like a big brother to me. I felt so bad I did one of his podcasts and uh, he had to edit off like the entire last segment of it because it, went, it got just way too inappropriate. I was talking about my first my first ever sales call on the floor of West Telecommunications and uh, and it was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think guys like that um, and, and girls too are like Tabitha Kavanaugh, like we've become really tight. Um, and I think they, they just, they just don't care about their image, you know, like it's, it's really more about developing relationships and connecting with people and, uh, and working with people that will truly benefit your life and, and you're going to benefit them in some way too. And I think that that's so important, especially nowadays to kind of be surrounded by people that, that are going to challenge you, that you're going to learn from, but that you can also just laugh and have, you know, ridiculous meme chat battles with. You guys, oh, I, you looked frozen for a second. You're just very intently focused. I was like, uh so as we uh, as we kind of wrap things up here, Amy, we always like to end the show by offering to help our guests in any way. Um, you know, if you have any questions for us that you want to kind of discuss or if there's something that you're working on. We already kind of talked about Five on Friday a little bit. Um, so how can we be helpful to you? Yeah, um, well, I would love to kind of hear um, what your guidance would be. For um, I wouldn't say necessarily a startup, but what would what would be your guidance to someone like me who's trying to grow a brand on LinkedIn and I'm trying to do it organically um, and and bootstrap it and keep it keep it and, and not lose the kind of the the appeal of what it is like kind of keep that small feeling but grow my network and grow the company. I mean, what would be your advice to someone like me that's that's trying to build that brand? I don't know anything about building a brand non-organically. <laughs> it's number one. It's true. So, no no, no paid pods. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> no, no, is that a thing? Paid pods? Wow. It is. <laughs> it is a thing. Well, I never got offered to, to do that. I'm not, I'm not cool enough, I guess, for paid pods. But um, no, you just, you know, one of the things that you said at the beginning of, of our discussion here, you know, led Richard to say, wow, that's really good self-awareness. And, you know, I think it was specifically around recognizing, you know, you're impatient. So enterprise is not like the best place for you. And I had that same exact moment, you know, 15 years ago or so. Um, and that, that self-awareness is, is really important. And I think people who are really self-aware oftentimes are, are confident enough in themselves to just be who they are and speak their mind and say what they feel and not change uh, over time, right? So, you know, don't get nervous uh, or overthink certain things. Like, just keep putting things out there and, and see, see what happens and see what works. Um, don't get discouraged by the hate that you're going to get. You know, that, that will show up, you know, they'll be, if you don't get it already, like, I, I joke with Richard, I'm like, I could make a post about, you know, donating a million dollars to like 
every single connection of mine and, and somebody somewhere would tell me what a loser I am. Right. So like, no matter what, you're going to start to get garbage and trash kind of thrown at you. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to, to not, not take it personally, but, you know, try to re- try to remember like for every one or two pieces of negative feedback, there's potentially hundreds of pieces of positive feedback. So, you know, stick with who you are, keep doing what works and feels comfortable for you. And, um, you know, and then, and then push yourself a little bit to take even more risks. Um, this is my own kind of personal take. Like, you know, you, as you start to get a little bit larger uh, audience and, and therefore your voice is amplified a little bit, um, I personally feel like, you know, some of us have a little bit more responsibility to speak up and out on particular topics that are, are a little bit taboo, right? So maybe that's diversity issues. Maybe that's, you know, women in sales. Maybe that's mental health, that's addiction, whatever, whatever it is, um, you know, use your voice for, for the greater good. And, um, you know, I think if, you, if you're doing those things, you're gonna, be, you're gonna be just fine. One last thing I'll say, don't mistake organically growing your network for moving at a turtle's pace. Right. <laughs> that does not mean growing, growing organically does not mean you just have to, you know, add two or three connections like every day. You know, I, when I first decided to try to like, you know, really be active on LinkedIn and Richard was right, right there with me. We sort of timed it at the same time. I think um, we were like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to try to add, you know, 50 people today. I'm going to try to add a hundred people today. I wonder if I can get 250 people, you know, today. Um, organically done, but with purpose and part of right. that purpose, part of that purpose back to the like lack of patience and self-awareness thing. Like once I sink my teeth into something, like it's, it's fucking go time. Like I, yeah. I don't have the patience to wait five years to go from 5,000 connections to, you know, 50,000. Right. So be, be purposeful about, about trying to grow things. Th- those are some of the tips that I would give you, Richard, what do you think? I agree with all that. And, and for me, some of it's your own personality. Um, I'm way more paranoid about stuff, I think, than Scott. Or I can at least say I wear my paranoia on my sleeves a lot more than Scott does. He may be better at hiding it. Um, and what ends up happening for me, like I, this is, these are the mistakes I see myself making and I try to fix, and it's hard for me to fix, are, um, are trying too hard. I try too hard. And then I let that get me down and do create some imposter syndrome moments. Um, I try different things. And if it doesn't work, I take it really, really hard. Like, like, what am I doing? Like this thing worked and I drove a thousand people to it last week. I did something else and it drove three. And I'm just like, holy shit, what's going on? So now I'm diving back into it and I've solved the problem. But um, that's the hard part for me. Um, I also think, you know, like to your point about humor, right? Like I've got this whole shit my sales manager used to say thing that I've done. Um, I'm going to put an ebook out on it, but I've gotten away from doing it. Like I've had a new one going out. uh, If it's not out now, it'll be out in a couple of minutes. And I kind of need to keep doing the fun things that I forgot that I liked. I've always recently, I would say over the last six months to a year, I've tried to, to chase chase the dragon of the numbers on LinkedIn and it's, I need to stop doing that. Right. I know certain things. I know other things. Um, 
Scott's better at the engagement on that side. And, and yeah, it drives me nuts. I'm like, why does he get that? And I don't, but I need to stop worrying about what Scott does and just focus on me and let me be me. Um, and I go to Scott for advice. It doesn't mean I don't try to learn or ask his advice or other people. Um, the other thing I would say, you know, I just got a mentor for the first time in you know, my entire life. I'm 51. And um, in the last month, I had my first mentor because I got out of my own way to stop saying, you know, oh, I can figure this out or I'll just use Scott as my mentor, which is I do. But I also need someone who's not my best friend, who's not one of my closest people. Um, and he's literally in the last month, he's changed my business model. And like, it's crazy, like the goodness. So get that mentor. Yeah. Get the mentor that doesn't that knows you but doesn't know you that's not a friend those would be the pieces i would think about and then the rest will take care of itself right from a branding perspective right um you know and find the my only last piece of advice is the mentor i went out and got was an svp of sales aside from scott um because i need that's who i sell to that's who i talk to so right yeah i think i think um Again, and so this is, but this will help you build the brand. I think, you know, KD, who's been on our show, Kevin Dorsey, you know, he's got a professional mentor. He's got a, a, a another person who's his marriage friend to go talk to. Um, he's African American, and so he's got someone who's African American because he can share that experience of, you know, getting getting that feedback. Because I could never give that to him, right? Um, so it's okay to have more than one. It is sort of what yeah. I would say. And that will help you internally and emotionally and that'll come through in your brand and your messaging. Yeah, I think that's that's huge for me because um yeah, I I've always been like the the lone the lone wolf <laughs> in many ways. And and that's not a good place to be. It's I mean it's it's fun and while while it lasts. But ultimately um who's gonna save you from yourself? You know, sometimes you need that tough love and you need that mentoring. And that's definitely something I'm going to be open for because, I mean, as we, as Five on Friday progresses, I mean, we're rolling out the UK edition. That's a whole nother thing. And um, it, there's a, there's, I feel a level of responsibility there um, for not only myself, but also the people that are coming on the show and, and everyone that's going to be involved with it. Um, and for me, I want to make sure that I'm going to be the best. I'm always going to be putting my best foot forward. And when I'm not, I'm, I'm going to know that I, it's okay and I can ask for help. Um, so I, I love it. I love the advice. And, and the crazy thing is uh, this, let's see, this time last year, I had maybe 200 connections on LinkedIn. I don't, I don't think I had, I think I probably had the same number of followers. I don't know. Um, but now I'm like, um, it's just crazy. I've got like close to 10,000 followers now on LinkedIn in literally about a five, six month window. Um, and it just happened out of nowhere. I'm like, where do these come from? Cause I wasn't running my numbers or keeping <laughs> any of that stuff. Um, keep, uh, keep, keep going with it. You're, you're, you're doing a great job. And, um, I, I'm I, excited. I think that you, you add, you add a lot of brevity and, and like, you know, goodwill and it's, it, they're, they're fun posts to read, but they're also, you know, insightful and congratulations on the new gig and, and the Thank five you. on the five on Friday thing is uh, a cool byproduct of, uh, of stay at home and quarantine and all that. So it, I'm, I'm right. looking forward to seeing what, what all of you do with that little, uh, little side hustle. So 
I'm excited. And thanks for coming on. Uh, Jonathan's been like working real hard, real hard since you were on there. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he, he moves forward. Anytime. So Happy that. to do Oh, wait a minute. You weren't talking to me. Sorry. Yeah. You could come on too, Richard. We, we can get you on as soon as next Friday. Let's do yeah. this. And, and then they can decide who's more terrifying, me or Richard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, it was so funny. I enjoyed it. So I appreciate you taking the time. All right, Amy. Thanks for joining All right, we got to go. But Amy, that was awesome. Thanks for joining us. All right, guys. Have a good weekend. You too.